Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm happy to bring you an interview today. We are in a little mini series about the body, our relationship to our bodies, and what God says about our bodies, and also what that has to do with our mental health. Um, as you know, if you've listened to any um, episodes from the Soul Grit Podcast, that we do care about this connection between mental health and faith. And uh, Jess and I both felt that this fall, we really need to address what's going on with our bodies and how that relates to both our relationship to God and to our mental health. So today I'm really happy to bring to you an interview with Hannah Ritchie, and she is actually a friend of Jess, who I'm just now getting to meet. And um, she's been a big part of Jess's life. And Jess is taking her clinical and ethical test today to get her registration for her marriage and family therapy license. So she's out and she said I could handle this interview with her friend Hannah. So let's welcome Hannah to the podcast. Hi, Hannah. Hi. Thank you for being here. So Hannah, you told me a little bit about yourself. You are um, a licensed massage therapist, which Mm -hmm. actually plays into your story. So we'll get to that a little bit later. You also serve in youth ministry with your church. And um, I think you're just a lifetime family friend of Jess. So I'm happy to have you here today. Yeah, happy to be here. So the reason that we have Hannah here today is because Hannah has a beautiful story about what God is doing in her life um, in regards to her body. So Hannah, let's start out just by um, talking about uh, what do you remember growing up and becoming aware of your body? I guess the biggest moment in time when I started becoming more aware about my body was when I had just entered sixth grade and I started getting bullied really badly about my weight um, by multiple people. It seemed like almost an everyday occurrence. Mm. Did you feel like you were, or maybe you really were um, heavier than other kids your age? Yeah, I growing up, I had always been a bigger child, but I mean, I was content with my body. I was never really made aware of it. Um, but then when I started getting bullied, it, it put it in perspective for me that, oh, maybe I should lose a little bit of weight. Mm-hmm. So um, do you remember like talking to your parents about that? Or did you mostly handle that on your own? Or how did that work? Mostly I handled it on my own. And at first the weight loss was really healthy. Uh, I was uh, just, you know, counting my calories and and exercising more and the weight was just kind of falling off. Uh, I really didn't include my parents into everything. I mean, they would try to get involved, but I tried to push them out uh, right until the very end of my eating disorder when I realized I I needed help. Mm -hmm. 
So you you did a little spoiler there. You developed an eating disorder. Tell us how that came about and when. So from 12 to about 13 years old, that's that's when it was probably the worst. Uh, like I said, it started because I was getting bullied and at first the weight loss was healthy. But when I started noticing that I was getting more positive attention than negative, that's when it really started clicking in my brain that, oh, big must equal ugly and thin must equal beautiful. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's so far from the truth, but to a 12 year old girl, that's, yeah. that's all the truth is, you know? So I started losing more and more weight and, you know, because of it, I started getting all of these um, just kind of negative side effects when it came to not only my mental health, but also my, my physical health. Mm -hmm. How did your parents handle that when they realized that you were actually in trouble? My parents handled it by first taking me to the doctor. They wanted to make sure that overall I was healthy and it was there that I was actually diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. Um, it's an eating disorder in which you starve yourself basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's more to it, but that's just like the basic of it. Mm-hmm. And from there they would get me therapy and, uh, you know, just all kinds of stuff just to try to keep me healthy and alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it would go in one year and out the other. I was, I was in too deep. Yeah. How long did that struggle last? It lasted, I want to say about a year and a half because in January of 2014, uh, I made the decision to be admitted into a rehabilitation center. Okay. And so you were at the point where your health was in danger or was it more about relationships or how, how did you make that decision? <clears throat> so it, it was my health. Uh, when I was 13, I'm still 13 at this point. Uh, I started having this awful pain in my chest and my parents were really worried. They were like, do you think you need to go to the ER? I told them, no, I'd be fine. I just, you know, I just maybe go to bed. I'd I'd sleep it off. I'd feel better in the morning. And that lasted about a week um, that I just kind of kept it to myself. And and eventually those chest pains got so severe that I, I had to tell my parents. I mean, it was like nonstop. And my mom scheduled me a doctor's appointment and we went to the doctor, uh, got an EKG done, an echocardiogram. And about two hours after the test, while we were at home, uh, my doctor calls my mom from her personal cell phone and says, Amy, I need you to get Hannah to Riley Children's Hospital. She, mm-hmm. uh, basically what happened was the average healthy human heart beats at about 60 to 90 beats per minute. And because I was starving myself so much, mine was only beating at about 20 to 30. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you're just barely functioning at this point barely functioning. And at Riley, I, uh, I remember like that being the worst night's rest of both me and my mom's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, me, because I didn't know if it'd be the last time I saw my mom, but for my mom too, because, uh, one for the same reason, but two, when we got to Riley, they were like pretty full. So they didn't have much room for us. They kind of just put like a hospital bed in a storage closet and called it a day. 
So my mom didn't have like those like recliners to sleep on. She had like the hard plastic chairs to sleep on all night. It was like the worst night's rest she's probably ever gotten in her life. So you were in an emergency situation, children's hospital. And then uh, like, how did you move from there into a rehab facility? Well, the doctor came in the next morning and he said, Hannah, I'm discharging you because there's really nothing else we can do for you. Uh, he told me that the choice was mine to make. And that was either to live or to die in a matter of months. And um, I know the Lord spoke through me because at that time, I just vividly remember the enemy was screaming at me saying, you can't go back to what you were. If you do, they're going to make fun of you again. You know, nobody's ever going to love you or appreciate your body. And uh, in the midst of all of that chaos that was you know, going on in my head, I told my mom I wanted to live. And uh, kind of jumping back, when I was first diagnosed with anorexia nervosa at that doctor's appointment, she gave us the contact info to a rehabilitation center in Anderson called Sela House. And shortly after that doctor's visit, um, when I was put in the ER, they uh, they admitted me to Sela House. Okay. So it sounds like when that doctor came in and said, the choice is yours, you can live or die. Like there, there's still a lot of steps in between that. Like I, my heart hurts for you at that point, because you obviously were doing what you thought you needed to do. And there's a lot of intervention in between make a choice and then actually live it out. Right. Yeah. So you got the support that you needed at Sela. Yeah. So Actually, when you are admitted, they do a physical and a mental assessment, and then they choose your length of stay. And uh, it can range anywhere from about six to 13 weeks. And I was there for 12. Mm. Um, so for three months, I, uh, I was living in this inpatient rehab. And it's weird, but it actually a lot of my you know, fondest memories were, were spent there. It was, mm. uh, it was fun. It was challenging. Um, but ultimately it was needed. Okay. And then coming out of that, you're going through the rest of your teenage years. How did you uh, continue to struggle or, or find some victory as you, you know, went through high school? I continued to struggle for a really long time. Um, for years, I was still just really, really thin. I was, I was still in the healthy weight range, but I was right on the border between being right at a normal weight and being underweight. Um, but for years I, uh, I'd go to the bathroom and every time I went to the bathroom, I would judge and compare my body and I'd actually make decisions about my eating habits for the rest of the day based mm -hmm. on how I looked at the time I went to, you know, view myself. And, uh, it was so bad that, it didn't matter if it was a public or private restroom. I just did it because I felt like I had to. Mm -hmm. So what what you're tapping into here is just really that confused perspective that you have mm -hmm. or, or the misrepresentation of yourself and you, what you see in the mirror versus what other people are seeing. Also, what you know to be true because the doctors are telling you and then what inside you're saying, but I have to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell us when you started to get some sense of, of victory in this area. 
So it actually was in early September of 2021. Um, I was just, you know, I'm still, uh, I'm still fresh into my career as a licensed massage therapist, but I'm noticing that the Lord is revealing to me that there is no true definition of beauty Hmm. Uh, because it ranges not just from culture to culture, but from person to person. Hmm. Uh, and you know, every body type is different, but our anatomical makeup for the most part is the same. Hmm. And it just really, it was this kind of like wow factor in which my eyes were open because that's when I realized, oh, (laughs) You know, then this idea of a perfect body has never existed because no matter what, everybody's going to have a different perspective on beauty. So why don't I set that standard for myself? Mm -hmm. And, and what are you using now in your mind or in your heart to kind of set that standard? Set that standard. I look at myself in the mirror and I say, I am content with where I'm at. I actually right in this moment of time, I'm the heaviest I've ever been, but I'm the happiest I've ever been Mm. in my body. I'm the most comfortable I've ever been. That's great. Now, I know that you got married a couple of years ago. Was that like right at the start of pandemic? Yeah, it was actually peak pandemic. We (laughs) had a lot of restrictions on like who we could have at our wedding and, you know, all this stuff. Um, planning a wedding, going to school and working full time was crazy. I'm surprised (laughs) I didn't get gray hair. (laughs) Tell me what does your relationship with your husband, like how does that play into how you view your body? He actually is another big part of it because so during that time I was still, you know, struggling with it, um, with my body and everything like that. And I guess just kind of looking from his perspective and seeing that, oh, this isn't my wife who has, you know, a little, like a little, um, like pudge to her stomach or, you know, split ends, things like that. Mm -hmm. But instead it was, this is my wife. I chose her. She is beautiful. I don't see any flaws in her. And um, just seeing it from that perspective end up changing my perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. That's good. Do you mind if I ask how old you are now? I'm 22. Okay. So this struggle has been, you know, within the last decade for, for you. Mm-hmm. And then you got married at a pretty young age. And so you're still kind of coming through, like, how do I think about this? How do I adult with this? Because you're responsible for yourself, right? If you've listened to the Soul Grit podcast for even one episode, you know my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling 
to marketing their practices to Christians, to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. I'm wondering too, how has becoming a licensed massage therapist influenced how you see the body? Because I know you had to study all of the anatomy and all uh, the way the body works together, how relaxation occurs, how, how, you know, your nervous system works, all of that. So tell me a little bit about that. Learning about the body. I learned that, you know, once again, every body type is different, but our anatomical makeup for the most part is the same. So now when I look at the body specifically, not just my body, but other people's bodies, I've stopped looking at it as here's what's wrong here are imperfections. And I've started to look at it as, you know, this is the muscular anatomy of this person right now. And, um, because of their muscles, they could have a certain body type because of their genetics, they could have a certain body type. Mm -hmm. And that is all beautiful because what that tells me when you look at somebody and you see the, uh, muscular anatomy, their, you know, uh, genetic makeup of how they look, it tells me that they're alive and they're breathing. And ultimately that's the most beautiful thing, Mm -hmm. um, that anybody could ever, you know, have to them is life itself. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think in your role uh, as a massage therapist, have you been able to help people love their bodies? I definitely hope I have. I, you know, one of the, one of the biggest comments I get from people is, you know, oh, I'm sorry. My feet look weird. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to shave my legs. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm a little pudgy. You know, it's like a daily thing I get. And the number one thing I tell people is, listen, if this bothered me, I should not be a licensed massage therapist. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's right. You know, I, I try to help people see it, see it from a perspective that, Oh, I am beautiful right where I'm at right now. And I don't need to change that. And I think massage therapy also helps with that because the more you work on the body, the more you see that again, you know, there are uh, different variations in body types and in uh, muscles and things like that, but it's all the same. You know, everybody has, um, you know, like, uh, everybody has rhomboids and the trapezius fibers in their shoulders and going up into their neck. I mean, it, you know, everybody has the same makeup, but we're all different. I think that is in itself also beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like you have a really unique opportunity to just affirm people that their bodies are good and they function and you're there to help them function a little bit better. <laughs> That's great. Um, talk a little bit about where your mental health is now. And this is a very personal question. I understand that. But okay. like coming through anorexia and nervosa and then becoming, um, like like you said, it was just last fall that you started to have freedom from this. So that's, that's pretty fresh. You got married, you became a massage therapist and now suddenly you're able to look at your body a little differently than you were before. So what was that transformation like? The transformation was, it was honestly kind of a quick one. And I think that's because 
you know, it was in God's perfect timing that I did get married and I did get my massage therapy license and, and just all of this because putting all of those pieces together, God really just showed me that again, like the idea of a perfect body has never existed. Mm. And once I realized that, I mean, my, my shackles just kind of fell completely off. Mm. Um, now, I mean, I'm, I'm doing amazing when it comes to my body image and, you know, things like that, you know, there'll be a couple of days where I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, maybe this isn't my favorite thing about me, but then I, quickly capture that thought and I change it from a new perspective. And I'm like, I'm alive and I'm healthy and I'm breathing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, another perspective that I look at it from is this one's a little bit more morbid, but it's true. (laughs) And that's when I die, people are not going to look at me as, Oh, you know, Hannah was a little, was a little big, but rather they're going to be like, I miss Hannah. She was such a beautiful soul and she had the biggest heart for people and, and body image and stuff like that. And again, once I just, once the Lord just kind of connected those things in my brain, I was like, this is really freeing, you know? Yeah, that's good. It's one of the things that I don't like sometimes that happens on podcasts is that somebody comes on to tell their story and the host will say something like, now that you're free of this. And for some, some people that is true, but like I've been interviewed on podcasts where I'm like, actually I'm not totally through the woods yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm I'm not going to assume that you're never going to struggle again or that this doesn't come up now and then and that other things like um, depression or anxiety or, or relationship problems don't kind of trigger those problems that you had before. Those are still there, but it sounds like you have a new perspective that I know you're giving credit to God for. And recently you got to speak in front of your whole church about this. How was that? Oh my gosh, that was nerve wracking. (laughs) In fact, right before I went up, um, this is probably going to be like a core memory of mine for the rest of my life, but I was backstage crying and just Doan was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I just, I don't want to go up in front of all those people. Cause I have stage fright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I mean, she, she was like, it's okay. It's okay. Like drink water. Like you're going to be fine. Well, I'm just having a panic attack. And then we kind of laugh about it now because I went from that within a matter of seconds from going like crying to good morning church, you know, <laughs> so it was just, it was like this radical shift. It was hilarious. Yeah. Well, she actually told me you have some stage experience, right? I do. Yeah. I, uh, I actually, my husband and I met in high school theater, uh-huh. uh, but we did a lot of theater together. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you play a role in a play or a musical, like you, you get to be that other person and you don't have to worry so much about how am I being perceived, but when it's your own story and you're going up in front of your church, which is like people that know you at a heart level, hopefully like mm-hmm. that could be really nerve wracking. <laughs> oh, absolutely. What kind of response did you get from people in the church? I was actually really surprised. Um, so many people came up to me with tears in their eyes and they were like, thank you for that message that, you know, it was one that was really needed. And, you know, I, I felt the Lord telling me that it was a message that was needed. I guess I just didn't realize how much, Mm -hmm. you know, cause in my head I'm thinking, okay, this probably isn't 
going to affect as much men as it is women. And even then it's probably going to affect more youth than it does older women. Mm -hmm. But then I was talking to people at the door and men and women and older women and younger women, they were all coming up to me and they were like, thank you. Like I needed to hear that. Mm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, okay, th- you know, this far exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine because you mentioned that you're in youth ministry and this is the time when it happened for you, right? Like sixth, seventh grade, that's the the hardest part of your story from what you told me. And as a youth leader now, you're able to intervene and speak into the the kids' lives, right? Yeah. Have you had some experiences like that? Not a whole lot lately, but I feel like especially now that people know my story, more opportunities for that is coming because another, you know, big um, thing that I realized is um, more people than I realize struggle with this and they keep it really well hidden. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of people coming up being like, would you please talk to my daughter, or my granddaughter? I had youth coming up to me being like, would you please pray for me? Mm-hmm. So I haven't had opportunities like that yet, but I definitely know that they are coming because now my story is out there. Yeah. Well, you just declared yourself as a safe person to come to with these issues. And it, it, it sounds like you've been through the gamut of like inpatient, outpatient, working with the Lord, working with Mm -hmm. your family, like all of that, like you, you've really drawn on all the different resources that the Lord has provided for you to be able to come through this thing. And I know that you still do like keep up those um, relationships, like even with Jess and her husband, like to, to, you know, keep you solid on the right path. Right. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is an inspiration for uh, whether, like you said, whether it's older people or youth that, like there's hope in these situations and maybe the person doesn't actually have anorexia, but they have something else going on and they know that at some level that you can relate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. So, uh, what would you say, like, are there any tips that you would give, whether that's for parents that might be listening or somebody that's, um, dealing with a body image issue themselves? Like where would you have them go? So, Definitely what I would recommend doing is one seeking help getting therapy um, because that was a, that was a game changer for me. Um, Just being able to openly talk to somebody knowing it was a safe space helped me more than, you know, I realized at that time. But now that I'm older, I look back and I'm like, I needed that. I really needed that. Um, Number two are coping skills. Um, this was something that was really, uh, heavily emphasized on at my time at Sela house. And, uh, it's that, you know, you need coping skills, especially when those thoughts arise of I'm not good enough. I need to lose weight. I need to, you know, my body is disgusting. Having those coping skills helps distract you, um, from those thoughts. So that way they don't kind of arise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, having, done that firsthand, uh, it definitely does help because as you're distracting yourself more and more, those thoughts tend to, um, not necessarily go away, but 
they don't come back in the same capacity that they once were. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to personal help, there are two things that I love to recommend. One of them actually comes from one of my Sayla sisters. Uh, while I was at rehab, she she did this herself, and I love recommending it to people because it was it's amazing, and it's every day find something that you like about yourself. for her specifically she started off with her pinky she was like I really like my pinky it you know it's it's the majority of my grip strength it's how I grab things and then you gradually work yourself like work your way up um and then you you just kind of basically keep going until you're at the point of I like my body my body is alive it's the reason I'm here today um and then from there, if you, you know, have achieved this, I love my body, maybe you could go into like uh, mental aspects, things that you like about your mental health, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I like to recommend is um, kind of sitting down and putting the view of the body in this perspective that there has never been a perfect body, quote unquote. Um, because once you get to that body that you have, you know, worked so hard for, or maybe you've lost weight for, once you get to that perfect weight, then what, you know, maybe it's, oh, my skin is gross. Oh, I don't like my hair. And when I, once I realized that the idea of a perfect body never existed, like my shackles fell completely off. And, and the other thing too, is that, um, when it comes to this idea of a, of a perfect body, I define what is beautiful. You know, other people don't define what is beautiful for me. I define what is beautiful for me. And I define beautiful as myself. I define beautiful as you, Anne and Jess. And I define beautiful as you are healthy, you are alive, your body is functioning. That's the most beautiful thing that, in my opinion, that, you know, you could ever have is is a healthy living body that's great um that reminds me that we should probably do some episodes on coping skills and (laughs) I love that you (laughs) shared like a specific technique or a specific daily practice that you can use to kind of get yourself there so thank Mm -hmm. you for that and also for your sister at Sela. absolutely (laughs) Um, yeah (laughs) Um, so the way we always wrap up a soul grit episode is by asking you, what are you doing for soul care? For soul care? Um, I guess one of the biggest things that I'm doing is, um, definitely just staying in, in communication with the Lord. Um, when I'm, when I'm really anxious, I like to, Uh, just kind of sit in a quiet room just by myself. And I just like to kind of close my eyes and um, feel the presence of God and just know that he's near. Um, For me, that is just very soothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And just being able to talk to him like he's my best friend is um, it's like therapy in and of Mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. That's great. So a little bit of that silence and solitude. (laughs) Yeah. I'm reading a book right now about that. So it's perfect that you bring that up. <laughs> That's the Holy <laughs> Spirit confirming things, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you so much for giving us your time today. I know you got a busy weekend of youth retreat coming up, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanksgiving. So thank you for being here. Um, and 
I just want to ask if there was somebody that wanted to get in touch with you, is that something you'd be open to? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So how would they do that? Do you, you have a Instagram handle or something like that? So I actually deleted Instagram for mental health reasons. Awesome. Um, I actually love that you did that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, But they could always uh, just shoot me an email. Um, You know, my email is something that I check every day, one for work, but two, just because I I just do it. Um, And my email is H is in Hannah, J is in Jane, Richie, R-I-C-H-E-Y, seven, seven at Gmail. Thank you very much. I'll put that in the show notes if you're okay, comfortable you. with it. <laughs> or if you'd rather, I can have people email me and I can pass on your email to them to make sure they're not str- weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, thank you for being here. And just if you're listening to this podcast and you want to know more about body stuff and how God views our body and what that has to do with our mental health. Just stay tuned for the next couple of episodes. We're going to continue talking about this and um, just really appreciate you listening today. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.